People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Theodore Roosevelt. Welcome to the King Me Ministries podcast, episode eight. It has been my prayer since I started this that God would use this podcast to bring glory to himself, to bring attention to himself, to bring himself into focus in our lives. If that's happening and you're enjoying this podcast, I would encourage you to share it. Get the word out there. If you have any questions, please reach out to me. I'd love to have those conversations. And if reviews are your thing, please take a moment and leave a review wherever it is that you listen to your podcast. Have you ever noticed that Jesus looks exactly the same in every single movie that's made about his life? Jesus looks the same. He's got long and wavy brown hair, blue eyes, and a solid beard to boot. Not one movie I can recall depicts him as the Jewish Middle Easterner that he was. We know what it looks like to be Jewish, yet we still choose to be more of the Swedish type of Jesus. The prophet Isaiah says that there was nothing about Jesus that would attract us to him. I take that to mean, among many things, that he wasn't all that good looking. He wasn't very attractive. Jesus was probably pretty average. And I joke often that I picture him as a short, slightly overweight, and balding man, just so that I feel better about who I am. No matter how you choose to picture Jesus as he walked on the earth, the book of Revelation describes him as he is now. And I can assure you that he looks nothing like Hollywood makes him out to be. He is an imposing reality, and the only response to his being is would be one of awe. Jesus is without a doubt beyond handsome. He is powerful, more powerful in word and stature than anyone ever. If he walks into a room, well, he commands your attention and your adoration. He's all-powerful. There is nothing to know that he doesn't already know. But that's not what draws me to him. That's not what captures my attention when I think of him and his attributes. I will tell you what gets me and keeps my attention fixed on him, and that's his compassion towards people, his compassion towards me. It's knowing that he sees me and that in seeing me, he knows that my greatest need continues to be a touch and an encounter with him. It's not his rules and regulations that make me want to follow him. It's knowing how he feels about me, and having experienced that several times, I see his compassion towards me, his willingness to stoop down to where I am and meet me right there. Jesus' compassion is attractive. Matthew, the disciple, rightly captures the heart of Jesus when he says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. The late Colonel Sanders of Kentucky Fried Chicken was on an airplane once when an infant screamed and wouldn't stop. You've been there. The mother and the flight attendants tried every trick that they could think of. And finally, the colonel asks if he can hold the baby. He takes the baby, he gently rocks until the baby falls asleep. Later, a passenger said, You know, Colonel, we all appreciate what you did for us. And Colonel Sanders smiled and he said, I didn't do it for us. I did it for the baby. Compassion isn't something that Jesus did. It's who he was. It's who he is. 
He wasn't trying to build a brand or a name for himself. He was simply revealing to us the heart of the Father. Imagine if you had the ability to relate to ants. Imagine you can see the ants struggling to survive. They're lost and hopeless unless somebody helps them. You, this huge human being, you see their need, but only from a distance. You don't truly understand what it's like to be an ant, but you can see their need, and so you try to help them. But of course, they look at you as if to say, who is this human to think he understands our need and can actually help us? You realize that they ignore you because you're not one of them. You could have no idea the depths of their problems and struggles. So, you decide to do the unthinkable. You give up your humanness and you become an ant. And in doing so, two things happen. One, you experience their pain firsthand. Your understanding becomes personal and familiar. And two, you are now in a position to affect change for them. And as you read the Bible, you see that that is exactly what Jesus did for us. The writer of Hebrews says it this way. He says, since the children, that's us humans, have flesh and blood, Jesus too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. For this reason, he had to be made like them fully human in every way, in order that he might become merciful and faithful high priest in the service to God. Jesus became one of us so that he could understand fully what it's like to be a human, and in his humanness to show God's compassion on a level that we could then understand. There is a story that illustrates Jesus' compassion in the book of Mark. And I think it's so important that Mark starts the first chapter with the story of Jesus's compassion. Again, it's not a brand that Jesus was making. It's simply who he was, and he wants us to see that. The story is a man with leprosy, and the man came to Jesus and he begged him on his knees. That verse is packed. It's an introduction to a desperate man. Let me ask you, have you ever been so desperate for something, so desperate that nothing else mattered in that moment? There's no risk you wouldn't take. There's not one belonging that you have that you wouldn't give up to restore what is broken or lost. My oldest daughter, who's 14 now, when she was three, we were on vacation at Disney and she ran off to the bathroom with a couple of adults that were with us. And a few minutes later, the young adults come back, and to my shock, there was no Riley. And I can tell you the desperation in that moment, though it only lasted for about seven minutes, I can tell you that there's nothing that I wouldn't give up. I wouldn't hesitate to give up my own life to make sure that she was okay. I was desperate for her to come back and be restored into that moment. This man in the story is that desperate, and probably more. He's dying a slow, a painful, lonely, and a hopeless death. And here are some facts about the condition of the man in the story who had leprosy. He's got some sort of skin disease. 
possibly one that attacked the nerve endings that caused him to lose feeling in his in his extremities. That would result in his skin becoming reddened and swelling and the loss of all feeling that would ultimately result in parts of his body rotting off, just falling off. It would leave those inflicted disfigured and gross. Their flesh would rot to the point of smelling. They would be covered in bandages to keep those body parts on. They would often be um, soaked with blood trying to, to work its way through. These people were shunned from society. In fact, once someone was deemed leprous, families would hold funerals even though their loved one was still alive and they could live on for many more years. Nobody recovered from this disease. To say the least, it was hopeless. They were cast away from society. They were caused to live in these colonies littered with others just like them. They were isolated from everyone. They lost everything. Their family, their jobs, their place in the community, their ability to go and worship. They lost everything. Everything changed for them. Lepers were required to stay a certain distance away from quote-unquote clean people. Some were even made to wear a bell around their necks so that other people could hear them coming. Some were required to repeat out loud, unclean, unclean, so that people had the opportunity to cross to the other side of the road. One rabbi, yeah, even a church leader, he would boast that he would throw rocks at lepers. Now imagine you're a leper. Imagine you're at work one day and your buddy comes over to you and he says, hey, uh, you're bleeding all over the place. You look down and your hand is cut wide open and you didn't even realize that it had happened and you, you didn't feel a thing. There's no normal explanation as to how you could have cut yourself that bad and not felt it or noticed. You show it to a doctor and as soon as you begin to tell him how you can't recall it happening, you know what he's going to say before he says it. He says, sir, you need to go and show yourself to the priest. And so you do. And the second the priest encounters you, he steps back, he covers his mouth, and he says with a muffled word, unclean. You know in that moment that your life will never be the same. The priest forbids you to go back to work or home or anywhere except outside of the city where the outcasts live. You are told to go and that those that love you will be notified and someone will bring you your things. They come and from a distance they drop your clothes and a little bit of money and some food and you can see your wife and your children huddled around her from a distance. They're crying. For they know that the hugs and the kisses from earlier that morning will now be the last ones that they receive from you forever. You know that and you feel that. You've heard about the pain and the shame of this disease, but nothing could have pre prepared you for the loneliness you already can't endure. You want to run to them, to hold them one more time, but you, you're not permitted to come any closer. You are told to go. Your family will mourn you and honor you at your funeral, even as you are slowly dying far away from them. You are a leper. You are an outcast. 
and nothing can change that. And so, this man, with nothing left to lose, seriously, what are they going to do to him now? They've already done it to him. He has no indication that the man he seeks can even help him. There's no recorded incident where Jesus had done this sort of thing before. Nevertheless, in his desperation, the man comes. He falls on his knees, hopeless, and he begs. He says to Jesus, If you are willing, you can make me clean. What desperation. What confidence. This man says, Better yet, this man proclaims, Jesus, you can do this. Your ability to do this is not up for discussion. That's faith. It's imperative to understand that this disease was considered highly contagious. The religious law of that day prohibited anyone to touch a leper or a dead person or a woman who was bleeding. If you didn't adhere to the law, it was determined that you yourself would be considered unclean for a period of time. That brought on a whole host of restrictions. You couldn't go to worship or you couldn't go to the market if you were considered unclean. And here's what I want to really emphasize. Jesus should have healed this man from a distance to make sure that he himself remained clean. Jesus isn't repulsed by the man's condition. He says something pretty significant when he touches the man who's unclean, even before he heals him. Jesus is telling the man, Jesus is proclaiming to those that, that heard this and witnessed this, and he's telling us who read this, he's saying so clearly to us, he says, your condition will not change me. I will change your condition. I will stoop down to where you are. Other, may, other people may be repulsed by you. Others may keep their distance, but I am not one of them. Jesus is not afraid of our condition. He has compassion towards us. Compassion in the Bible is described as this deep-seated feeling right in the depths of your gut towards the condition of another person so deep and so strong that you are compelled to act to make their situation better. That is without a doubt the attribute that we're seeing in the person of Jesus. Jesus doesn't just feel bad for us. He doesn't pity us. He doesn't just promise to pray for us. Jesus came for us. He became one of us. And in doing so, he understands us intimately, and his response is always one of understanding, so much so that he acts on our behalf. The quote I started this podcast with puts following Jesus into perspective. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Not many of us started following Jesus' words and teachings based on his wisdom and insight alone. It's certainly not the rules, commandments, and regulations of the Bible that attract us to Jesus. Most followers experience his compassion long before they consider what he has to say. 
Just this morning, I read a very familiar Bible verse found in Proverbs, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. You know, to be honest, I needed that reminder this morning. God knows I did. I believe that Jesus is worth trusting. His wisdom and insight are beyond my own understanding, and I need what He offers. And I have come to see his expectations as guardrails that are in place for my protection. And while some of Jesus' ways don't make sense to me in the moment, I am willing to trust him because I have seen and experienced how he feels towards me. Knowing that somebody cares about you opens the door for you to trust them, to give them an audience. Jesus has a ton to teach us. In fact, I believe that his teachings change everything, but we do need to see that he cares about us long before he asks us to consider what he has to say. Last week was Thanksgiving, and to be transparent, uh, the day before Thanksgiving is one of the hardest days of the year for me. My dad in 2014 died, and and right on the heels of my mom dying almost three months uh, to the day right after she did. Uh, But my father passed away on on, on the night before Thanksgiving. And even though it was the 26th of November that he passed, it's always sort of right there on, on Thanksgiving Eve. Without a doubt, it is difficult to feel the weight of that loss every single year. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. But even as I, as I say this, I, I have to be honest, and I can tell you that I, I felt the comfort and the compassion of Jesus. I know all of his promises. I know that one day I will see my dad again. I know he's good where he is right now. But those promises are not what I lean into. You know, I lean into a Savior who knows what it's like to lose somebody. I lean into Jesus who hears the pain of my heart. I lean into a Jesus who stoops and touches me. And it's because of his closeness that I can be encouraged by those promises, those those words of his, because I've, I've experienced his touch. Jesus' response to the leper's asking to be healed is profound. The Bible says, filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. And, And my mind quickly races to this man's response. Because of what Jesus did for him, that man was probably gonna head to his house He was going to surprise his wife and his children. There were going to be lots of tears shed. There was going to be some pretty exciting moments. Word was going to spread fast. But before I'm allowing myself to to get to that that really um, heart-touching, almost hallmark-type moment, it's important to see the order in what Jesus did here. Jesus is filled with compassion. That's that's where his actions originated. His his understanding of what the man is going through, the brokenness and the loneliness, that's what moved Jesus to react. And Jesus first, he puts out his hand and he touches the man. I wonder what that touch did. 
the man hadn't been touched. And in, in the Bible doesn't tell us, but can you just imagine? The man hasn't been touched since the day that he was deemed unclean. And the first thing Jesus does before he, he changes everything is he changes something that the man was lacking, that closeness, that someone that says, I love you enough to touch you where you are. And then Jesus, he heals him. He tells him, I am willing. I can feel the smile of Jesus on his face when he said that. I am willing. Guys, we have a God who is compassionate towards us. He desires to show that compassion, to lavish you with that compassion. And, he, and all he asks is that you would trust him enough to bring it to him. Remember, Jesus doesn't know us from a distance. He knows us up close and personal. He knows us intimately. Eugene Peterson says it this way. He says, Jesus, when he left heaven and, and came to earth, he, he, Jesus moved into the neighborhood. Think of what that means. He sees the same things you do. He, he's impacted by the same things that you're impacted. He knows the things that, that human beings have to deal with. And the Bible says in the Old Testament, it says that the eyes of God are looking back and forth in the world, looking for one man or one woman who sold out to him. I take that to mean that God is looking for faith. He's looking for, for human beings that are desperate, that are overwhelmed, that, that are recognizing that they don't have what it takes within them to, to meet their own needs. And they're, they're looking to, to him to be what he's promised them to be. God is looking for those opportunities to show compassion on you. And when I think of leprosy, uh, what you find out in the Bible as you study that word is it, it could mean all kinds of different skin diseases. And I think and I appreciate it that it didn't say specifically what type of leprosy this man had. And in doing so, I think it, it allows us to say, you know, my, my problems, my desperate need is very different than the guy next door to me, but it's desperate nonetheless. And my prayer for each of us as we consider this story in Mark is that we would see our own desperation. We would see how impossible it is to come up with the right solution. And in faith, we would take that and we would seek Jesus out and say, Jesus, I know you can do this if you are willing. And to sit back and through faith, allow him to do what only he can do for us. And it's my expectation that if you take this to Jesus, if you take your condition, your desperation to him, it is my expectation that you're going to see exactly what this man saw. You're going to see that Jesus has a heart for you, that he understands you, and that he, yes, indeed, is willing to make you clean. God is indeed all-powerful. God is all-knowing. God is, he has the ability to be everywhere at the same time. But what's most amazing about him is his desire to leave all that heaven had for him. You know, he lacked nothing there. He had relationship within the Trinity. He was wealthy. He, he had nothing. There was no sickness, no want that he would ever have. But he gave all of that up 
so that he could come here and see firsthand what it was like to be you and me. And then in, in, in seeing that, is it, he decided that he was going to do whatever it took to make a difference for you, to be available for you, to lean into him, to know him, to have faith in him, and to see him do what only he can do. What an amazing God we have. What a compassionate God we serve. Please let me pray for us. Almighty and living God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you have no equal, you have no rival, there's no fear of you ever losing. You are the one that's in control. You are indeed sovereign over everything. Those things about you are amazing, and I will spend eternity trying to understand that. But what I don't need to spend eternity doing is seeing your compassion. I have seen it firsthand. I have seen it through other people. I've seen it through your personal touch in my life and the lives of those that I know and love. God, you are so good. You understand us and you know us and you just involve yourself for those that are willing to just come before you and in their desperation allow you to do what only you can do. Father God, we know that we need you. We know that we are desperate for you. We know that without you, we are lost. And so, Father, I thank you that that you go before us. You always go before. Even before we know we have a need, you are already there. Thank you for who you are. Jesus, we worship you because what you have done on our behalf. You are worthy of us to know and to celebrate and to be thankful. God, we thank you so much for who you are. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, what a story. What a Savior. You know, the world is filled with countless religions. But there is only one where God himself comes to his people. All the other religions expect the people to find their way to Him. It's my prayer that you would find time this week to really lean into His compassion towards you, to understand and to know how He feels to you, that you would enjoy all that He brings. Until next time, God bless you.